Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Ah, uh, <clears throat> uh, blessed Shavuot. Blessed Pentecost Sunday to all of you. Uh, We've been looking forward to this day for about 50 days since Passover. And uh, I've been believing that, that God was going to meet us here in a special way. And uh, given the way things have started, I I believe that even more right now. So what we've been looking at is the parallels between the Old Testament feasts and their ultimate fulfillment in Jesus in the New Testament, and also even even more personally to us, their ultimate fulfillment in us as the New Testament church, as uh, the New Testament covenant people. So in the last two weeks, I, I kind of developed uh, a new way of looking at the Feast of Pentecost and Uh, Actually, not so much the Feast of Pentecost as what was actually happening with God's people at the foot of Mount Sinai when the law was given. And just to refresh your memory, and and for those who were not here, we we developed the idea and, and showed some very strong parallels that that what God was was doing at Mount Sinai was was he was he was bringing forth a bride in the people of Israel who had come out of Egypt he he was what was happening at Mount Sinai was was like a marriage ceremony and and we we looked at the elements of a Jewish wedding that were actually present in, in what was happening at, at Mount Sinai, and, and it, was, it was pretty amazing. But what I want to do today is, um, <clears throat> you know, the reason that we're looking at, at the Old Testament feasts is, is because there, there is deep truth in these feasts that can inform us even more deeply of the truth that we have in the new covenant as the people of God who, who follow Jesus. So uh, that's, that's really what, what I want you to get. So today, this, this being Pentecost Sunday, uh, you know, we, we are not required to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost as, as the New Covenant people, but we, we are invited to enter into what the fulfillment of that feast looks like. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 2 because that's really where we see the first fruits, the the early reign, if you will, uh, of what the fulfillment of this feast in the life of God's people uh, looks like, what, what it can look like on the earth, and what it did look like at one time, and I believe what it will look like again in, in our day. I, I really, I, I believe that. So, I, I want to 
look at a few elements of, of the Feast of Pentecost this morning, and, and then, then I want to shift gears and, and look at the New Testament in Acts chapter 2, and, and then, then I, w- I want to make an invitation to us. To, because, see, the, the truth, the pictures that, that the Lord has given us through the feasts, uh, I'm not sure, Daria, uh, that table that we've looked at the last couple of weeks, is that on here again? Because this, this is really critical to our understanding. And if, if you haven't seen this before, I want to show it to you. If you have seen it before and maybe you've not completely gotten understanding of it yet, I, I, want, I want you to have this understanding. The feasts, if we look at the first column on the left... Uh, the Lord gave these feasts to Israel. He actually began giving them to, to the people at Mount Sinai. They were fulfilled historically and literally in the people of Israel. But they are also prophetic types that point toward something else that would happen that would give deeper meaning in the future. And, and what we look at in the historical, literal fulfillment is, is what God did in Israel among his Old Testament, Old Covenant people. And we, we observe that because it's, those are historic, literal realities that, that took place. Now, when we look at the life of Jesus, he, we know that he was a Jewish man. He historically, personally participated in all of these feasts as uh, a good Jewish man would in Palestine in the first century. But he was actually the anti-type, which means he, he was the fulfillment that these feasts were pointing toward. And when we look at the fulfillment of these feasts as an anti-type in the life of Jesus. We're looking at what God did in the life of Jesus. And by looking at the Old Testament historical, literal fulfillment, we, and we look at the life of Jesus, we can interpret the true meaning of these feasts. And so we did that 50 days ago when we looked at Passover. And Passover was the event in the Old Testament that, that really brought forth a, a people of God that had not existed before. There, there had been individual people who sought God and followed God. We know that there was Noah and there was Enoch and there, there were a number, but there really wasn't a cohesive people. But God brought this forth in the children of Jacob, of Israel, as he brought them out of Egypt. For us, as God's new covenant people, that feast of Passover spoke of our salvation. Because we, we become part of the people of God now through receiving the gift that God gave us through the blood of Jesus, who was the complete, ultimate fulfillment of the Passover lamb, which he, he has given that name in, in the New Testament. So we've, we've looked at that, we've seen that. Now, now we're, we're at Pentecost, and we know that when, when Jesus went to be baptized by John the Baptist, a, a dove came down from heaven and, and lit on him after his obedience, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was only at that time that he, 
he first went into the wilderness, but it was at that time that he really began stepping into his calling and, and his ministry because he, he needed, as, as we need, the power of the Holy Spirit to, to fulfill our destiny. And that's what we're going to look at today is in, in the Feast of Pentecost. That what we've seen the last two weeks is what God was doing was at Mount Sinai and the giving of the law. And this, this feast, Pentecost, has many names. It's, it's uh, I've got a lot of them written down. The Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Harvest, the Feast of Weeks, the Day of First Fruits, the Feast of the Giving of the Law. Those, those, all those names are used for this feast in the Old Testament. So what God was doing at Mount Sinai when he gave the law is he was showing the people, he was, he was giving an invitation. He said, this is what it looks like if you're going to be my people. You live this way. And, and we, we actually looked at uh, what, what are, are very much like uh, wedding vows in Exodus 19 where the Lord says, you know, if, if you will obey all that I say, then you will be to me the special people out of all the people on the earth because all the earth is mine. And so what we're going to see in, in the ultimate New Testament church fulfillment of the feast of Pentecost, is that God gives us, his people under the new covenant, a, a new way of, of defining who we are. Because he, he pours out his Holy Spirit, he baptizes with the Holy Spirit, and, and we no longer are required to obey the written law word for word, verbatim, as, as they were in the Old Testament because he, he, again, he gives this opportunity and invitation and he says, if you will be my people now, you will be led by me internally by what I write on your heart. And, and I will actually lead you internally by the Holy Spirit. And that's what it will look like for you to be my people. So, so this, this, is, this is an amazing day. This, this, what we celebrate today on Pentecost Sunday, this, this is a defining day. For us, as the people of God, uh, we and don't take this wrong, okay? And and I I don't mean this as a criticism to anyone in in particular, because even at one point in my life, I I kind of lived this this way. Uh, the New Testament, New Covenant people of God do not worship Father. Son, and Holy Scripture. That's not the Trinity. The Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. I highly value Scripture, but nowhere, even in the New Testament, are, are we told to live by the Bible or by what is written, we are told to live by the Spirit. But we are informed by Scripture of what God's ways look like so that if we begin to get a little off track, we can correct ourselves before it gets serious. So we need the Scripture. We need to know Scripture we, we need to check what we believe the Holy Spirit is leading us to do against Scripture. 
And if the Holy Spirit's telling us to do anything against Scripture, then, then we, we better get some counsel. Because that, that's a dangerous place to be. Okay, so I think that's my introduction for today. Uh, Pentecost, what, that word that we have, that's, that's a Greek word that means 50. And 50 is a significant number in, in the Bible. In Scripture, the number 50 symbolizes liberty, freedom, and deliverance. In the Old Testament law, the 50th year was the year of Jubilee, which was a year that many people really looked forward to in Israel because land that had been sold went back to the original family. Debts were canceled. Slaves were set free. It was a year of, okay, we're erasing the, the slate and we're starting over. And it's, it's a great picture for us. There, there's, there's great meaning in that. Trumpets would sound the year of Jubilee, and we know at Mount Sinai we had the sound of trumpets happening, and, and we had fire, we had smoke, we had clouds. We, the Lord came down to Mount Sinai to meet with Moses and reveal himself to the people. Now, we, we have to understand that what happened at Mount Sinai was, was not the ultimate celebration of Passover, okay? Because Passover could not really be celebrated as the Lord wanted his people to celebrate it until they were in the promised land. Because they, they had to be living there and there had to be a harvest coming forth in, in order to truly celebrate Passover. And, and we know the story of how the children of Israel got to Mount Sinai. There, there wasn't any harvest happening in, in the wilderness. The, the Lord was revealing himself as their provider, the one who would feed them, give them water. And, and he revealed himself as this great husband, this, this great provider to, to his people. But for us to, to really sink our teeth into the New Testament ultimate fulfillment of this feast, we, we got to look at what it looked like when they actually celebrated uh, the Feast of Pentecost. So, and, and this, this is so full of meaning because there was, there was a wave offering before the Lord. Remember, uh, that, was, that was under uh, Passover as well. There was a wave of, of the, the sheafs of, of first fruits. Well, there's a different wave offering in Pentecost. And you remember, one of the big things about Passover was unleavened bread and getting the leaven out, out of the house. Because, man, if anybody found any leaven in your house, you, you were out of the congregation of God's people. And now we come to Pentecost and there's a wave offering of two loaves baked with leaven. And, and you got to wonder, is, is that a typographical error? Did they, did they forget to put the no in front of leaven in, in the Old Testament in my Bible? Because why, why would God, after he's so serious about leaven under Passover, why would, why would he ask them to use regular bread under this feast? Well, it's, it's because 
Pentecost ultimately has to do with Christ. And ultimately, it has to do with the church. And God was saying, I, I understand that your sinful nature has not yet been completely eradicated. So I will receive you as you are. That's awesome. So the priest would take the two leaven loaves. Israel, the Jewish people, and the Gentiles. And wave them before the Lord. Awesome. Because the Lord knew when he gave the law that his ultimate people would be made up of Jewish believers and Gentile believers both. And he would receive both. That, that's awesome. So the feast also, and I mean, that, that should encourage us in our heart, in our spirit. Did, did you feel something happen within you when I said that? I, a lot of you did because I could see it happen. There, there was a release of, of something in the spirit, and I think it was a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So Lord, I ask for more of that this morning. So this feast was also known as the feast of the harvest of first fruits. And the early harvest, see what back to Passover, I, I want us to I want us to really understand these feasts because uh and, and, and to know the details and, and to to really grasp the revelation of, of what they mean. Now, back under Passover, there, there was the, the waving of, of the first sheaf of ripe grain, and that was barley. That was the barley harvest. But they needed rain in these 50 days so that the wheat harvest would come in. And that's really what we... What they were celebrating at Pentecost was, was the bringing in of the wheat harvest. And there's, that's, it's the early rain, the spring rain, that brings forth the late spring harvest, was, which is what we celebrate right now. There, <clears throat> we, we have to understand that there's another feast. In the fall is the Feast of Tabernacles. And I, I can't wait until we get to the fall and then start digging in to Tabernacles because that is ultimately where the Lord is taking us. But we've, we've got to fulfill Pentecost before we can fulfill Tabernacles. And, and again, all... What, what God wants his New Testament, New Covenant people to, to do is, is, is say yes to his invitation of, of what he wants to give us in, in these feasts. And like I said, Passover points to salvation and Pentecost points to our filling or our baptism with the Holy Spirit. Because we, we, we can only go so far under Passover. 
And then, then we've, we've got to receive the fulfillment of Pentecost. And then we can go farther. But that's not all the way. We can't stop at Pentecost. We, we've got to go all the way to tabernacles. Because that's where God is taking this. And I'm, I'm excited about this. So... The thing about the feast of the first fruits, of the harvest of first fruits, Pentecost, uh, <clears throat> Joel is sometimes referred to as, as the prophet of Pentecost because of, of what he or, or what God spoke through him. And I, I want to look at a little bit of the book of Joel starting in chapter 2, verse 22, and we should have a slide for this. And this is what Joel writes. Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. And this is a promise of what's what's coming. The threshing floors will be filled with grain, the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The great locust and the young locust, the other locust and the locust swarm. My great army that I sent among you. The judgment that he sent. But after this, you will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be salvation or deliverance, as the Lord has said among the survivors whom the Lord calls. So the first harvest was barley that began right at Passover. The next harvest, if the spring rains came, would be the wheat and then the corn harvest, which we would celebrate right about now at Pentecost. But then we, we still need the latter rain. We, we still need the late summer and the fall rain in order to bring forth the full fruit harvest, which is what we're looking forward to in tabernacles, is, is the, the fruit harvest that would come at the end of the summer and in the fall. <clears throat> so that's part of the true meaning of the Feast of Tabernacle, or, or of Pentecost, sorry. Uh, there's, there's a little bit more. Uh, with the beginning of the harvest at this feast, the Lord commanded Israel to bring a freewill offering according to the blessing of the Lord. And in the Feast of Pentecost, and, and you guys know I don't like to talk about offerings and we virtually say nothing about it hardly ever. <clears throat> but this is a time when the people of the Lord were, were told to bring a free will offering. Everyone. Uh, not not just a few, everyone was to bring forth a special offering at, at this time. And 
I, I just I want to encourage everyone to give. And if, if you didn't bring anything today to give, uh, borrow something from somebody you know. <laughs> or, or bring it next week. D- decide in your heart today that you're going to do this. And, and see, part of, of the, the free will offerings that came uh, at Pentecost were, were for those who were in need as well. Uh, even for the stranger. Uh, it was for your family. It was for those who were in need. It was for the Levites. But this, this was a special offering. And, and I think that's, there's a significant element of that that I, I may have time to, to bring out. But um, <clears throat> I want to get to the New Testament fulfillment of this. And I, I already... In, in the intro, kind of talked about God defining his people at Mount Sinai. I, I want to bring out just one passage that, that really kind of points forward to what God would be doing in the New Testament, and that's in Jeremiah 31. Because I, I want you to see that this, this marriage terminology that that I've been using the last couple of years. This isn't just something that, that I came up with. This, this is actually terminology and understanding that, that is in the Old Testament. So Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt, which is what we've been looking at at Mount Sinai. My covenant, which they broke, because they didn't, they said they would do everything that he said, and then they didn't do everything that he said. My covenant, which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So this is what God says he's going to do. And I, I'm, I'm not going to take the time to develop all this that happens, but I've I got to go back to Exodus just, just for one last little piece of, of this. We, we understand that while Moses was up on the mountain receiving the law, receiving what would be the definition of what it looks like to be God's people, what were the people doing at the base of the mountain? Well, after a number of days, see Moses, this is again one of those mysterious, miraculous things that that takes place up on Mount Sinai. Moses is up there with God for 40 days. And I'm guessing that he's not eating or drinking anything up on the mountain because there's no McDonald's up there and, and no drinking fountain up on Mount Sinai. And some of you were here Friday night and you, you saw what Mount Sinai actually looks like. It, it's dry and barren country. So the people at the base of the mountain after... A few weeks, they start to wonder what's happened to Moses, and, and they come to Aaron and they they ask him to make them gods that brought them out of Egypt that they could worship. See, they were they were falling back into their old habits 
in Egypt, everyone had gods that, that were physical representations that they could actually touch and look at and bow down to and everything. It, it wasn't this spirit God who revealed himself in a cloud and in fire and that they couldn't control at all. They, they wanted a God that they could control and define. <laughs> and, well, we won't take that rabbit trail. But what happened, Moses comes down from the mountain and sees what is going on. And there's a judgment that takes place. And the Levites who come to Moses and say, we, we're God's people. We don't know about everybody else. And Moses says, okay, slap on your swords and go kill these people who are worshiping idols. And 3,000 people die in this judgment. But here's some encouragement. See, Moses is really a type of of Jesus and and God was ready to say and, and he said this to Moses okay Moses I'm done with these people they've committed adultery in the middle of our wedding I'm just gonna wipe them out and I'm gonna start over with you and instead of Moses saying what many of us would probably say, like, great idea. <laughs> I like the sound of that. This is going to be the people of Moses, not the people of Israel. No, he falls on the ground and he pleads for mercy for those people to the point that he says... If blot my name out of your book instead of theirs. Are are we there yet? I I don't think we're there yet. But anyway, we we had to have that piece of of understanding that when the law came 3,000 people died because they broke it. Now we're going to fast forward to Acts chapter 2. And rather than paraphrase it, I, I'm going to read Acts chapter 2. So this is going to take a couple minutes. Because there really isn't anything in Acts chapter 2 that, <clears throat> that we can cut out here. But I'll, I'll, uh, I'll bring us up to speed what's happening in Acts chapter 2. Jesus, we know, was crucified. At the same time, the lambs were being slaughtered at Passover. He rose again. At the same time, the sheaf of barley was being waved in the temple, he rose again. He was the first fruits of the resurrected ones. For 40 days, he met with his disciples, he taught them out of the Old Testament how everything was pointing to him and how he had fulfilled everything in the Old Testament. And then, after 40 days, he went into heaven and, and they were... They were... <laughs> is he coming back? <laughs> 
And the angels had to come down and say, you crazy fishermen, why are you looking into heaven? <laughs> this Jesus who died and rose again, he, he's ascended into heaven. Okay? <laughs> now, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise that he gave you. And so they go to Jerusalem, 120 of them, and they're waiting in this room together for what they don't know. But, I mean, that was probably fairly easy obedience because they didn't know what to do. So wait was a good thing for the Lord to ask them to do. It's often a good thing for us to do. If, if God is silent and he's not saying anything, it's probably better if we wait. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> that's what's happening. And the clock is ticking. They've, they've been together in Jerusalem and, and they've been waiting for a day, for two days. Finally, it's, it's the tenth day and one of them who is astute, probably not Peter, says... <laughs> Isn't it Pentecost? <laughs> this is just my own little kind of license. I, that's what they call it in Hollywood, creative license, okay? <laughs> and I'm thinking as, as soon as one of them said that, There was a sound. Well, we're going to read the story. Okay. <laughs> and when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven, and it, it's always interesting in the Old Testament when these writers are trying to describe something that's otherworldly that they can't describe. And this is one of those cases. Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And, and that's weird because, you know, you, you can see wind, but you can only hear it when it's violent and rushing, right? Because we know something about that in Cheyenne. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. <clears throat> these, these are probably the only people... In, in the history of Christianity, well, maybe there were a few others in, in the book of Acts, who didn't have some trouble moving into the gift of speaking in tongues. <laughs> they, they just came. They, they just uh, started doing it. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when this sound occurred, see, it wasn't just in their building. The multitude came together and were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and marveled, saying, Why are not these all who are speaking from Galilee, which is like chug water. <laughs> and, and how is it that we each hear them 
in our own language to which we were born. They're, they're hearing them speak in, in the language of their youth. Their, their own particular dialect. It's, it's like the, the Spanish in Puerto Rico is, is a little different than the Spanish of Juarez or of Mexico City. And different from the Spanish in Spain. They're, they're hearing them speak with the slang and the emphases and, and everything that unlocks their hearts because I haven't heard anybody talk like that in years. And this is what they're saying. And how is it that we each hear them in the language to which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, good question, what does this mean? None of us would have planned it this way. If they were trying to figure out what this was going to look like, this is not what they would have thought. But others, there's always these guys, were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. That's why they can speak in languages they don't know. Yeah, I always see drunk people speaking in languages that they don't know from half, halfway around the known world. Don't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> but Peter, and, and this, is, this is when we begin to understand what God's really doing with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Is, is we know something of the story of Peter. You know, he thought that he was on the outside looking in after Jesus died. Especially after he denied him three times. But Jesus brought him back restored him and he does exactly what Jesus asked him to do he stepped into his calling so Peter taking his stand with the eleven raised his voice and declared to them Men of Judah and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it's great when the Bible interprets itself. Because then we have no doubt that this is that. And that's exactly what Peter is saying. You remember that? Well, this is that. And this is what he says. And we read this earlier. And it shall be in the last days, says God, that I will pour forth my spirit upon all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even upon my bond slaves, both men and women. I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord 
shall come, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I just have to say one quick thing about the moon turning dark and or the sun turning dark and the moon turning to blood. Uh, I think you all realize that, that we have two blood moons this year. One took place during Passover. The other will take place during Tabernacles. In this year, 2014, same thing happens next year. And in between, there's a total solar eclipse. Interesting. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man, delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in death's power. Woo! <laughs> for David says of him, I was always beholding the Lord in my presence, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will abide in hope, because thou wilt not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow the Holy One to undergo decay. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, Thou wilt make me full of gladness with thy presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants upon his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this, which you both see and hear. They're speaking in tongues. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, <clears throat> Let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Another really good question. And Peter said to them, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. With the coming of the law, there was death to 3,000. 3, That's in Exodus 34. With the coming of the Spirit, life 
to 3,000. It's, it's amazing. So picking up in verse 41, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So I just, I got to say one little thing here about these last few verses. So they, <clears throat> they were meeting in the temple together in, in a large group, and then they were meeting in homes as well and, and sharing meals together. Uh, so I want to encourage everyone in, in our fellowship here to pick one of the small groups, one of the life groups that, that's starting uh, in the next week or two, and, and, and participate and get to know some people, build some friendships, and, and learn together, and, and come together, and pray together, and share together, share life together. Uh, we, we can't do very much of that in the big setting, but we need the big setting because God is here among us in the big setting, but he's here among us in the small setting, too. So, so don't neglect that part of the New Testament expression. So I, I want to close with, uh, because we're, we're going to worship some more, <laughs> uh, and, and we're going to ask the Lord for uh, fulfillment of this feast among us today. Uh, okay, you're a step ahead of me there, Daria, that's just fine. So, <clears throat> just to point out some of the differences here between the Old Testament Pentecost at Mount Sinai and the New Testament fulfillment in Jerusalem or the city of God, Jerusalem also called Mount Zion. So we had Mount Sinai in the wilderness with the giving of the law. The giving of the Holy Spirit was in the city of God, Jerusalem, Mount Zion. The writing of the Ten Commandments on two tablets of stone versus, as Jeremiah prophesied, the writing of the law on the hearts of believers with the giving of the Holy Spirit written by the finger of God on the tablets, written by the Spirit of God on our hearts. The spiritual adultery of the people at Mount Sinai resulted in judgment and death for 3,000. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament Pentecost results in 3,000 people receiving new life and, and coming into God's kingdom. Uh, God revealing himself at Mount Sinai with trumpets, thunder, lightning, a cloud, fire, uh, all manner of natural phenomena. In Jerusalem, we see the, the sound like a mighty rushing wind, loud enough that the people in the city heard it as well. And the tongues of fire lighting on every person so that no one could wonder, you know, I'm really not sure 
I got the Holy Spirit. I saw the fire on you. <laughs> you did. It, it had to be visible for them. It had, had to be real. The Old Testament, the letter. In the New Testament, the Spirit. Being in the presence of God resulted in the glory on Moses' face and that he had to wear a, a veil. In the New Testament, we see the, the glory on the face of Jesus as Stephen was being martyred. He looked up in heaven and he saw Jesus at the right hand of God and, and his glory. And we know that God was wanting to raise up a nation of priests. What, what is the, what's the work of a priest? A priest goes, goes to God and, and hears God and he speaks the words of God to the people. And he, he also goes to God on behalf of the people. And see, in the Old Testament, we had the Levites, but we, and, and at Mount Sinai, we had the implementation of, of the Aaronic and the Levitical priesthood. But we know from what God said in Exodus 19, his intent was that the whole nation be a nation of priests to the whole world. It wasn't just that he wanted the Aaronic priesthood and the Levitical priesthood to be priests to his own people. He wanted all of his own people to be priests to everybody. It's the same thing under the New Covenant. Remember in 1 Peter... Peter calls us a, a, a holy nation, a, a priesthood to the Lord. And, and we, as the, the people of God now, we're, we're called to be priests to, to the world. We're, we're called to go to God on behalf of the people. And to hear God and then go to the people on behalf of God and, and speak his words and we, we can't do that without being baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and having our, our spiritual senses activated so that we can do it. So, <clears throat> what, what I want to do... Um, I think. See, God always works with invitation. And, and there was something unique that happened at Mount Zion, the city of God, Jerusalem, on Pentecost 2,000 years ago when they were obedient to God and they waited. And, and they, they came into one heart and one mind just wanting to receive the promise of God. So... I'm, I'm going to ask all of you, as, as, we, as we go into a time of worship, uh, if I could have a couple elders come up and uh, give the elements for the Lord's Supper. You can come and, and receive these right after we pray and then we'll have the worship team come up and uh, we're, we're going to worship a little more. So uh, I just want to pray a blessing over the elements. Uh, Jesus, 
uh, we're, we're filled with gratitude for what you did for us. And as, as the priest in the tabernacle, as Aaron in the tabernacle of Moses would, would take the blood and, and, and sprinkle it and, and receive some of the unleavened bread from the table, we, we come to you and we receive these elements celebrating your body and, and your blood, remembering your body that was broken for us and your blood that was shed for us. So bless the bread and, and the cup. Bless and encounter your people. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So every time a, a person receives Christ as Savior, that person experiences Passover. It's not that historical Passover is repeated, but the truth of the feast is experienced. The same is true for Pentecost. We do not have to celebrate the historical feast of Pentecost, but every time a follower of Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, the person experiences Pentecost. This is not the end. There remains another feast for us to enter into, the glorious Feast of Tabernacles. Here on Pentecost Sunday, we all need to enter into the fullness of this feast. You've brought your offering and you've received the elements of the Lord's Supper. Now give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And I invite you to close your eyes during worship to lift up your hands to the Lord and ask him to fill you anew with his Holy Spirit so that you can do the works that he's prepared for you as a priest to the nations. So today let's partake of the Lord's Supper together. Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. We receive all the benefits of your body.